Welcome to this week's Daily Info Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. This week I've got Beats, Birthdays and Bandits. I'll be talking about chocolate, cheating and chipping Norton. And I'll be talking about history, halloumi and heads. But let's start with our Oxford fact, as we always do, which came to us from Twitter this week and Katie's going to tell us about it. Yes, Leslie Lundgren sent us the Oxford fact. So as you know, uh, NASA has made history this week by being the first spacecraft to reach Pluto after nine years of travelling in space. But the girl who named the planet is from Oxford. Her name is Vinita Catherine Douglas Burney, and she was the daughter of Charles Reverend Fox Burney, who was an oral professor of the interpretation of Holy Scripture. Her grandfather was actually the librarian for the Bodleian Library, and she went to live with him when her father died. So her grandfather, Falconer Madden, read about the discovery of the new planet to her in March 1930, when she was just 11 years old, and he remarked that they hadn't named the planet yet. So she, being very into Roman and Greek myths, suggested Pluto, who was the Roman god of the underworld who was able to make himself invisible. And since, you know, they hadn't been able to find the planet for all those years, she thought it was a suitable name. He then forwarded the suggestion on to Herbert Hall Turner, who was an astronomer, who then forwarded it on to an American observatory, and they all voted on it, on the name, and decided to call it Pluto. The other suggestions were Zeus, Percival, Constance, but the final three were Minerva, Cronus and Pluto, and Pluto won all the votes. Cool. Did she win anything? Um, she actually got five pounds, which is worth about two hundred and eighty pounds nowadays. Oh, not bad. So it's not bad. Yeah. No, no. Good. She went on to teach economics and died peacefully in Epsom in Surrey. That's a very comprehensive Oxford factor this week, and thanks to Leslie for that. You can see a lot of her pictures on our site as well if you go to our Oxford pictures page. And if you want to send us an Oxford fact of your own, you know that you think would be interesting to read out then you can tweet it to us or you can email it to us or Facebook it to us. But let's start on the events now and the first thing we've got on is tonight. What have we got, Emma? Yes, so tonight we have a talk hosted by the Oxford Cybar. So it's a relaxed, informal, scientific talk um, and tonight's one is by Dr Ciara McCabe and it's on chocolate and the neurobiology of depression. So basically, Dr McCabe's going to discuss how it's possible to investigate reward function in the human brain and how this is related to depression and sort of why current medications might potentially benefit from this research. Um, Now, Dr McCabe's research has actually been featured on the BBC in the past. Her experiments with chocolate were actually highlighted on the BBC One show, Britain's Favourite Supermarket. And over her career, she's looked at some pretty interesting things. Um, So about 10 years ago, she was looking at models of cocaine abuse in socially housed non-human primates. Right. Um, which sort of implies that at some point there was a laboratory containing a large amount of cocaine and also some monkeys. <laughs> yeah. And also diminished neural responses to chocolate during SSRI treatment, um, which is obviously quite a common treatment for depression. So tonight's talk starts at 7pm and it's in the blue room upstairs at St Aldate's Tavern. If you can't make it, the good news is that they'll actually be making the talk available as a podcast on the Oxford Cybar website. So that's www 
oxfordcybar.com forward slash podcast. And it's going to be quite an accessible talk or is it going to be full of big neurobiology words? Um, I think the whole point of Oxford Cybar is to present sort of large scientific topics in, yeah. in very accessible ways. Mm. And in the pub, so that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to go to that tonight, or if you're planning on listening to the podcast instead, then you can catch Go Live Oxford, which starts tonight and is running until Saturday at the BT studio. So this is a dance and physical theatre festival. It's the first time it's running in Oxford, and they're going to be showcasing local dance and theatre groups. It's curated by Donald Hutera, who is a Times arts journalist. Uh, he's also doing the one in London. So tonight and tomorrow's show are going to be featuring the same groups and then Friday and Saturday has a slightly different lineup. But the things that you can expect from tonight and tomorrow, in terms of the Oxford-based groups, they've got Crossover Intergenerational Project, which are a dance group including, I think there's people from about the age of 6 to about 70. I don't really know who's going to be there on the night, but that's the kind of work that they do. And this performance in particular is going to be exploring architectural forms and archetypal relationships. So that should be quite interesting. And then the other Oxford group they've got tonight is called Beat Street, who you've probably seen if you've ever walked down Corn Market. They're a young hip-hop group who are always dancing out on the street there, doing very cool things with their cool hats and Nike high tops. And some of the other groups are going to be coming from further afield, so lots of different kinds of dance that you can catch at the BT tonight until Saturday. The performances are at 7.30 and they cost £10 or £8 concessions. So have a look on the site, see maybe which lineup you'd like to see and then get down to the BT either tonight, tomorrow or for a different group Friday and Saturday. And another talk for you now. On Thursday, Modern Art Oxford are hosting a talk entitled Perspectives, Cheating. Speakers include Nigel Warburton on the ethics of cheating, Robert Husson on lying, uh, how we lie to ourselves and to other people, and also Megan Aldrich on authenticity, uh, looking in particular at one antiques collector who created these sort of vast false narratives for the things he was selling. Ooh. Um, which is quite an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, when sort of the narrative is part of the price of the thing that you're passing yeah. on. And um, just a couple of facts for you here. Uh, most forgeries are worth less than the original works, but there are some that are actually worth considerably more than the originals. Hmm. Um, so workers by the forgers Tom Keating, uh, Han van Meegeren and Jax van Meegeren sell for thousands of pounds. Um, forgeries painted by the late Elmer Tahori, uh, who was featured in the film F for Fake, directed by Orson Welles, have become so valuable that they're actually fakeries of his forgeries. <laughs> um, sort of fakes of fakes of fakes. Um, so to recap... Talks tomorrow from 7 pm at Modern Art Oxford. So, what makes them more valuable? Are they just, are there better techniques these days or something that people are using in um, terms of forgeries? I think there's a couple of things at work. So, some of them are actually genuinely better paintings. Right. Oh. Some of them come with a sort of narrative attached. Okay. Um, and some of them are a lot rarer. Right. So a lot of the Renaissance artists would create multiple copies of their works to sell to oh, different people. Okay. So if there's only one forgery and if there are three copies of the original painting. <laughs> Interesting. Well, for something else at Modern Art Oxford then, they've got lots of good things on this week, it seems. On Friday night, instead of Thursday, the Young Women's Music Project are having their 15th birthday there. They do a lot of things there, so it's just fitting, I think, that they should be holding their birthday party there. It's on Friday at 7pm and it costs £5. The Young Women's Music Project, as you will have heard at the start of this podcast, have recorded our jingle for us and we also did a workshop with them and we've done lots of things and they're a great group. They now have a charity status as well, so lots of good things have happened over the past 15 years to this group. On the night, on Friday, there will be performances from lots of different people 
and including lots of local artists like Tamara Parsons Baker, who I think we've spoken about in the podcast before. She does acoustic, folksy kind of stuff. Vanderhyde, who are an emerging group from Oxford. Mary James, who I believe used to be part of the Young Women's Music Project. Um, she's got a very lovely singing voice. Um, she performed on the stage at Bond Square for the MCS Arts Festival. And Eloise Rees, who, again, from Oxford, um, does some quite folksy singing as well. There are also going to be bands and singers and more from further afield. So lots of things going on on Friday night for just £5. Go along and say happy birthday to the Young Women's Music Project. Check out our events page for more exhibitions and birthday parties happening in Oxford this week. If you fancy joining a music project of your own, you can check out Musicians, Instruments and Kits to find both musicians and musical instruments. Don't forget to find us on social media. We are on Twitter as at Daily Info Oxford. We're on Facebook if you search for Daily Info Oxford. And we're also on Instagram as Daily Info Oxford. If you fancy a bit of rock and blues this weekend, Thames Fest 2015 is happening at the Crawley Inn in Whitney from Friday the 17th until Sunday the 19th of June. It's free entry and free camping, and you get to see bands such as Boneback Blues, Nick Barrel, Beard of Destiny, Beware This Boy, Debbie Bond, who's from America, Crayfish, Matt Edwards, Memphis Rattlesnakes, The Sedatives, Twiz Tangle, the Dutch rock and pop band Tape It, and many more. Breakfast is provided on Saturday and Sunday morning. Uh, it's £5 if you pre-book and £7.50 if you just get it while you're there. And tea and coffee is included. I was very impressed with their food menu. They've got a barbecue menu, which includes all the usual stuff, but also uh, carrot and sesame seed burgers, halloumi kebabs, various roasted vegetables, including sweet potato and aubergine. They've got grilled corn on the cob and a bar menu as well. So it all sounds delicious to me. Sounds really good. Yeah. So all the music seems quite bluesy and rocky, but I think there are also some comedy acts in there as well. So it sounds like a really good festival. So basically, you're just living at a pub for the weekend and listening to music. Basically. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Nothing should can go. go wrong. <laughs> uh, so that is one of the festivals that's going on this weekend. There are loads. We talked about Cornbury last week, and there are loads of things that you can find in our events listing. We're not going to talk about all of them. Uh, but we've talked about Thames Fest, and now we're going to go on to Trek Festival, of course, because that is the big one this weekend. It's at Hill Farm in Steventon, and if you want to find out how to get there, they've got lots of information on their website. You can get a bus straight from St Aldate, so it's nice and easy. So the first Truck Festival started in 1998 in Steventon, and tickets were just £3 back in the day. But it's grown bigger and bigger every year. Uh, it changed hands as well. So there's lots of new and exciting things happening. This year, new things include a new stage called the Palm City Stage, which is Truck Festival teaming up with Horizons Gorwellian. They've also ordered twice as much paint this year as last year for the paint fight. So that is definitely something to get involved in. And maybe as a byproduct of this, they've also got showers this year uh, for the first time. Although, nah, you don't really need to shower. But anyway, if you if you do feel like doing that, they are available this year. The headliners, you've probably heard already, The Charlatans, Clean Bandit, Basement Jacks and Temples, as well as many other great bands. Yesterday, there were just 92 tickets left. So do get a ticket quickly if you're planning on going this weekend. I think the weather is going to be perfect going to be quite hot but not too hot. Um, glamping is also sold out unfortunately if you're planning on doing that 
but you can just muck it with the rest of us, I reckon. So this is Truck Festival, Friday to Sunday at Hill Farm in Steventon. If you fancy something a bit different and a bit more, I guess, child-friendly. But also with glamping, am I right? But also with glamping, then check out the Horrible Histories events that are happening at Warwick Castle. So they've got a Wicked Warwick stage show from the 15th of July onwards, which will be performing twice a day, Live on stage, there will be all sorts of characters from Warwick's past, such as the Earl of Warwick, who was heavily involved in the War of the Roses, and he kept switching sides, so not very loyal. (laughs) Guy Fawkes stealing some horses, and a battle with the Vikings. So it sounds excellent, right up my street. There's also the Medieval Mayhem from the 18th of July until the 6th of September, or I should say, The stage show is there until the 6th of September as well, where kids can experience the sights, sounds and smells of medieval England with all the gruesome and funny bits left in. There will be lots of characters from the medieval past walking about with the plague probably and there will be lots of gory games to take part in. It just sounds excellent. And if you decide you'd like to stay the night, you can try their medieval glamping. So this genuinely sounds incredible. And an overnight package includes, uh, number one, a tent in a quiet woodland glade uh, with Wi-Fi, don't worry. Uh, number two, evening activities like falconry or archery. Were you going to say No, that just sounds amazing. <laughs> um, special access to the castle. So you get a two-day priority pass, which mm-hmm. allows you in. Uh, that's included in the cost of the tent, but also it allows you into special entrances, which I think is quite exciting. Like exclusivity on its Ooh. own is quite interesting. Um, and also the option to have a medieval dinner, um, which for adults means a buffet and authentic-ish fare, so things like broths and roasts. And for kids, some more familiar options, uh, none of which are fried. <laughs> um, and I think the tents start at £200, um, and that's for five people. And if you book in advance, you can get cheap train tickets. I think we should go. I'm mm, actually genuinely... Definitely go. It looks so good. Can you go in costume? Yes. Is it recommended? Oh, we should. Yeah. Oh, because you did the early music. You may still have... <laughs> may still have my medieval costume. That's right. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's my last podcast. I'm allowed to. Sticking with the grisly history theme, Siege Theatre Company are putting on Titus Andronicus as part of the Oxford Castle Shakespeare Festival. I asked the director, Michael Spate, about his motivation for choosing Titus over the other traditional Shakespearean plays. Hello, Michael. Hello, how are you doing? What made you choose to perform Titus Andronicus as your first yeah, big hit? I, I know, guess. people keep asking. Uh, <laughs> it's Obviously there's a whole plethora of Shakespeare plays that could be chosen and there's some more commercial and some less commercial. There's some probably perceived as being more dynamic and less dynamic. And I think having gone through what's been performed in the last few years, what looked like it was going to be performed this year, a lot of the big ones were gone, so yeah. Mm. Othello's your Hamlet's, yeah. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. So yeah. rather than kind of find a middling one, we thought we'd go a little bit more extreme. We'd pull from out of nowhere one that, although people probably sort of know about it, have heard about it, very few have seen it. Yeah. The Globe have done a recent production, the RSC have done one as well. But over the years, it's got either a bad press or it's just kind of, it's never been seen as a, as a staple and one that draws the audience in. I read the reviews of the Globe production mm. in 2014 are you worried people are going to faint? Um, I'm hoping someone will. I'm, I'm hoping at least one person faints. <laughs> is that a mark of a good production exactly. well, of Titus? No, I, 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 I'm taking that as the gauge of how good we're... <laughs> I think we know that there's a fine line between how the gore is perceived and mm-hmm. there are some elements that are quite um, extreme. Yeah. And there's potential that you could go full on um, and 
scare the audience out of their wits and, and you will have faith in people. Yeah. And then there's the other side, I suppose, you you end up being too comic, too comical. People see a hand cut off, people see a tongue yeah. cut out and it's, it becomes a more of a farce than it is a, a kind of a tragedy. And I think we're weaving that line. We're, we're making every effort to try and show it in its realist form yeah. but not scare people so they just don't want to watch yeah. but also trying not to make it too comical because the last thing I want is people laughing when there's not meant to be laughter yeah. and kind of losing the, the the flow of the whole piece by being distracted by people going, ah, another hand's cut off, how funny is that? <laughs> Could you just give me a brief summary of the play? Don't give away too much. But... Oh, I think <laughs> of all the plays, the brief summary of this one is pretty tricky to give. In essence, it's a family drama and that sort of sits at its core. It's about a returning um, warrior in the form of Tys Andronicus, who is head of the Roman army. Mm-hmm. He is coming back to Rome in essence to retire. And as he returns to Rome, um, the Senate and the tribunes of Rome want to give him the emperor's crown and make him the leader of the of the empire. Yeah. He refuses that and um, passes it on to the, the eldest son of the dead emperor. Mm-hmm. And that basically opens up the door for this crazy, maniacal young boy to come in and start making um, sweeping changes. And, and also, he chooses the Queen of the Goths as his wife... And Titus has just killed her son, and so she's got a crazy thing in her mind that she wants to take revenge on the Andronicus family, and mm-hmm. all hell ensues. Okay, so you're performing on the 20th of July? No, for, yes, yeah, 20th, 20th, yeah, 20th of July, July for two weeks, so we start on Monday. Uh, the production, the performances, sorry, begin at 7.30. Okay. Uh, so be down there a little bit earlier. There are tickets available on the door. Mm-hmm. Book them online just to make sure. It's, um, it's not allocated seating, so oh, you, can, you can come in. There might be a bit of standing just because we have a bit of the play where we might have you stand up, so be aware of that. Um, not that you put anyone off, because it won't be for the whole play, so you will you will get a seat, so don't worry. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Michael. No problem at all. Tickets start from £13 to £15. It's running from the 20th of July to the till Friday the 1st of August, and it's advised that you bring a blanket. Um, if it's raining, prepare to get wet, and it's not suitable for anyone under the age of 12. Listen to the Oxcast Extra for the full interview with Michael and find out more about what props they used and the costume. It's very interesting. And for some more family-friendly theatre, looking ahead to next week on Tuesday at both 2pm and 4pm, Chipping Norton School is going to be visited by Mr Longity's Marvellous Imaginary Menagerie. Um, it's an outdoor show and it's filled with puppetry and live music and sort of very much inspired by circus and vaudeville. So sit back and let the zookeepers entertain you with the stories of how they found their weird and wonderful creatures. Uh, Les Enfants Terribles, I'm sorry I don't speak French, um, are the company behind the show. And they're quite well established with previous shows Alice Underground and Captain Flynn and the Pirate Dinosaurs. I'm going to shorten this to Mr Longitude. Um, (laughs) So Mr Longitude's actually played at the Edinburgh Fringe last year and it got really good five-star reviews. Uh, The Edinburgh Spotlight described it as if Roald Dahl and Tim Burton had met and decided to open a travelling circus. Amazing. And another review mentions a sheep that looks like Mick Jagger. So I think it's probably <laughs> worth going for that alone. If that sounds like your thing, you can witness the menagerie at either 2pm or 4pm at the Chipping Norton School. So if you want to hear about any more of these events, or if you want to join us, because we're probably going to go to all of them, then you can check our What's On section of the website. 
If you'd like to start a real menagerie, you can check out our pet section. And if you'd like to find out all the latest events and what's happening in Oxford, uh, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and stalk us on Instagram at Daily Info Oxford. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well. You can do that on iTunes so you get it every week. Things are going to be changing around here because this is Emma's last podcast. No, boo. So make sure you listen out to all the ones we've got coming up in the future. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info.